The scripture reading this morning, and I'll be reading it, is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 to 25. If you've been with us, you know that we've been working through Isaiah this Advent and pondering these things that were said 700 better years ago, uh, looking towards the birth of a Savior. And so, with that in mind, um, keep in mind that the grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of our God endures forever. Hear now this reading of God's word. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, um, we commit this time to you on this day that we commit to you, in this season that we commit to you. It's all yours, Lord. And I thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have as a church family to share in this celebration together. Lord, uh, let these not be my words, but your words, and not my thoughts, but your thoughts. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, it is a rare treat for us to get to send, uh, spend Christmas morning together, and so I suspect that a lot of you probably, um, you had some Christmas traditions that you did this morning. Maybe you, you opened some, some presents, and now you're here, and maybe you're, when you go back, to your, you're going to go continue the traditions and celebrations. Maybe some of you, how many of you finished opening all your presents? Yeah, so some of the kids did. You just busted through them, right? So just blew through that, right? So yeah, good. Um, but uh, I suspect, and this maybe didn't happened this morning, but I suspect that it often happens to you that maybe you got a present where you kind of looked at it, and it was thoughtful and all, and you, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this, right? Um, the uh, White Elephant Gift Exchange often brings that out. Uh, my son, uh, for the uh, youth group exchange this year, got a toilet seat. I want, I want to... <laughs> I want to encourage you in knowing that all of the Burrell toilets, are, are, they are all properly seated already, and so there's really not a purpose for this. So he's hung it on the wall, and he keeps decorating it for Christmas. Like, we, I keep taking it down, he keeps putting it back up, so trying to find a means of using this toilet seat, right? Remember one year, a very well-meaning, very wonderful person gave me a, um, uh, a hat with a deer on it, because they said, well, I, I thought you liked deer. Now, I, I don't not like deer. <laughs> 
I'm pretty deer neutral, you know, I, I got nothing against them. But here's what's funny is it wasn't just a deer logo, it was a Milwaukee's Buck hat. Uh, it was a Milwaukee's Buck, so I, I'm not from Wisconsin, I don't watch the NBA, and I'm deer neutral. So, but I like wearing the hat because it just keeps people guessing. So it's just like, oh, so I guess he's from Milwaukee, right? So, um, so sometimes we get these gifts, we're not quite sure uh, what we're going to do with them. And this morning, what I thought would be fun to do is look at Isaiah 65 and think about Christmas gifts you won't need in heaven um, because there will be many, right? Um, impractical gift giving for the new heavens and the new earth. Um, Isaiah 65 kind of talks us through. I've got some gifts actually, and I'm going to be calling some people up in a minute to, uh, to help me unwrap these. Um, but I think that all of these are going to represent things that are probably impractical for the new heavens and, uh, and the new earth. Uh, when we think about what we have to look forward to, there's a lot that we're gonna, um, we're a lot that we're gonna see one day, but there's also a lot that we're just not gonna need anymore. So uh, before I do that, let me summarize really briefly where we were, um, where we are. Isaiah 65 is a is a picture, a description of the final future of God's people. Um, last week I said that there are really two Advents. We talk about Advent, but there's really two Advents. And uh, you might remember I tried to describe that as a, um, uh, a, a couple of distant mountains. And Isaiah is far enough away from this, 700 years back, that he's seeing them as, as one event. He sees those as two peaks that are pretty close to each other that you could probably hit both of in a day hike. But what he doesn't know is um, that there's, there's actually a huge distance. One is sitting behind the other one. And um, we are in the valley between, and we don't know how um, we don't know when this is going to happen. So the Christ kingdom has come, right? That's what we celebrate this morning. But it hasn't come in its fullness yet. There's there's this now and not yet. So we don't know when the not yet is happening, but we do know that there's still more to come, right? And so we really celebrate, this morning we celebrate two advents. We celebrate the fact that Jesus has come, but we also anticipate we anticipate that Jesus has not come in his fullness yet, and so there's still more to come. And so that gives us a confidence this morning, because we see that he's done it. We see that he's kept his promises. So we know that he will do it. We know that he will keep his promises, right? We anticipate his second coming, and we live in the valley between those two mountains, knowing that um, one day Jesus is returning, and our faith will become sight. And so in Isaiah 65, you get this small glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. And notice it's not this ethereal spiritual plane. It's not a disembodied heavenly floating on a cloud kind of existence. It's none of that, right? Uh, There are some things that feel very similar to what we would expect things to feel like here. And yet there's other aspects that are going to be entirely different. And I've got um, four of them up here that represent Christmas presents you won't need in heaven um, that I think will help us understand this package. So I need a couple of kids. Can I borrow the right kids? That'd be okay. Is that Asher there? Or Keller? Is that Asher? Asher, Asher and Pryor. Can they, you guys want to open a present? Come on up here, okay? So Merry Christmas, y'all. All right. Okay, okay. Come on up here. You want to open it? You look excited because you know it's going to be amazing, right? No, you don't think so? Okay. Yeah, what is it? It's a box of tissues. Yeah. Well, why would, I, why would we not need a box of tissues in heaven? Any ideas? Prior, do you know why not? Why do we, when do we need tissues for? When do we need tissues? Oh, to wrap the baby in cloths. Basically, the answer is Jesus, right? So that's good. That's good. Well, I don't know about you, but I usually use uh, tissues when I'm sad, 
right, to wipe away tears. And what do we know about heaven? You're not going not gonna to need tears anymore because you're not going to cry. So, so this would be a really terrible gift uh, for heaven. But I, I'll be honest, this is actually a really terrible gift for any time. As, uh, <laughs> but you can have it. And if you don't want it, you can give it to your dad because, you know, it's, uh, he, he might need it. I don't, I don't know. So, okay, it's a box of tissues. You didn't expect anything too exciting, did you? That's all you get. <laughs> You guys look so disappointed. I'm sad. <laughs> You're not disappointed. But you got to be up here, which is really fun, right? So, okay. All right, go back to your dad. Thanks, guys. You can keep, yes, absolutely you can keep that box of Kleenex. Do you see that? He looked excited about that. All right. So you guys recognize, I mean, take a look at this passage here. It says, um, this is gift number one, right? Um, it says, uh, be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem to take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. That's, guys, this is God talking here in all of this. And uh, in the Hebrew, it's using a device that's called apposition. Apposition is when you take uh, two things that are so closely, you identify them so closely together that you could use them interchangeably. And that's what this passage is using to describe two amazing things. It's a delight... Um, and my people, people and joy. God's saying, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna define my people by delight and joy. And the way I'm gonna do that, among other things, is I'm gonna take away any need for crying or weeping. Now, that doesn't mean that you are not gonna weep with joy in the presence of God. Um, I got choked up thinking about this just this week as I was working on the sermon. I think that there'll be plenty of that, and maybe we will borrow some of the rights Kleenex for that one, right? Um, but the words that are used here in the Hebrew have to do with pain. Weeping here refers to felt pain, and crying here is the sound that we make when pain is inflicted, and God's gonna remove all of that. He's gonna remove both the emotion and all of the, the things that cause it. Guys, I, have, I don't know, I do know maybe some, but I don't know what kinds of um, pain you've had to endure this last year. Uh, but I'm confident that each of you have. Uh, the things that would bring about the, the weeping and the crying. Uh, but to think about the day when God removes all of that. To think about the day when we, the only thing that we'll have to cry about is the joy of our salvation, the joy of being in his presence. Like We have that to look forward to. And there will be no need uh, for tissue. Let's, let's do another one. I, I need help from JJ. Come on up here, man. JJ. So. <laughs> David, you come up here if you want to, man. That's good, but I think you might be disappointed with it. Okay, JJ, help me out, man. Go ahead. What did you get for Christmas, by the way? You get some good stuff? Yeah. Okay, this is going to be better than that. Or not. All right. What do we got? Yeah, right? So exciting. What is it? Uh, personal first aid kit. It's a personal first aid kit, right? <laughs> so what's in a personal, what's in there? Any idea? Have you ever, like, opened a first aid kit before? No. Has your mom ever opened a first aid kit, like, on your behalf? <laughs> because, like, you're bleeding or something, right? So what, what kinds of things would I keep in there? Like, band-aids yeah? and- 
Sure, Band-Aids and <laughs> other stuff. There's probably some Tylenol in there, maybe some gauze. and I don't even know. I haven't opened it up. But you can have it, because so, you might need it. Right, Mom? Dad? Is it possible that JJ might need it? Thank you for helping me open that, man. Go ahead. So. Why am I not going to need that in heaven? Um, here it is, right here. Uh, it says... Um, Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at 100 will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach 100 will be considered accursed. And maybe you don't see the, the, the need or the lack of need for first aid in that. But um, we know from other places in Scripture that there's an eternal scope to this. But when you read this, doesn't it feel a little bit more... It doesn't feel as eternal, right? When you read this stuff, it, it, it doesn't say that we live forever. It just says we're going to live a long time. Like, you get the impression, it's like, well, it's going to be really nice, but there's still an expiration date stamped on this. You know, you're going to live like a tree, but a tree doesn't live forever either, right? But here's what's happening in this passage. Um, uh, I love that one commentator called this poetic understatement. Like, that's that actual Hebrew move there. In, in the Hebrew, this is a poetic understatement. Uh, Isaiah's describing the realities of that world using the things that he knows to be true of this world. Right? The limited images that we have of this world, there's no way we can do justice in describing the world to come, but we, we have these limited things that we understand. And so he's using those limited things, right? He's saying, what would it look like to thrive here? And then he's using that to describe what it will be like then. Knowing that the reality, of course, is much greater, and we see that in other places in Scripture. Um, we often talk about somebody being cut down in their prime or, or dying uh, too soon or not getting the chance to live a full life. And yet, when somebody does live a full life, Dean and Lee, your, your mom was almost 99, Lee, right? Dies in her sleep just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yet, at 99, you still have the sense that there should be more, right? There should be more to this. You have the sense that death still is wrong. And the reason that death still feels wrong is because death is wrong, Death is described in Scripture as, as the enemy. It's described as an intrusion into the good, 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 very good of God's creation. The reason that death feels wrong is because it is. It's the enemy, but in Christ, it is a defeated enemy. And so we read these words of Isaiah this way. Just If I could paraphrase it, I want you to picture. Remember, he's using limited terms from this world to describe the, great, the greater realities of the future one. Imagine this. Um, God's, among God's people in the new heavens and the new earth, no infant will fail to enjoy life. No elderly person will come short of total fulfillment. This, blessed, this, this is the promise of a meaningful and blessed life. A hundred years old is just getting warmed up. And yet, it hints at this too. For the accursed, a hundred is the best that you can expect. You can live an outstanding life and die without Christ and it's all loss. Or you can live a difficult, hard life and die in Christ and it is all gain. It is just the light, momentary affliction that's achieving the eternal weight of glory. Nothing in you will be broken when Christ comes back. I like to think of it this way. Like, where, where do you picture that you're going to be 100 years from now? Just picture it for a minute. You know there's a reality for you, right? There's a future. We don't think about it much. But where will you be 100 years from now, 500 years from now? If you're in Christ, you will be with him. 
you'll be just getting warmed up and you will not need a first aid kit, JJ. So that's good, right? All right, next one. And I think I need an adult for this one because this one does come with some liability. So um, <laughs> if I could get, um, where's Mike Dockery? I need a scout for this one. I saw that Mike is here. So Mike, can you come up and help me with this one? So, All right, sir. Not everybody's going to know what this is, but I have faith in you. So go ahead and give it an open. This may be the best thing you get all day. <laughs> all right. See, hold it up there so people can see it. And then, could you? Bear spray. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And Mike, if you could, because not everybody is familiar with bear spray, would you, would you mind, is this on? Would you mind describing what, what one might use bear spray for? Okay. I've not had to use it, but mm-hmm. I understand you want to have it with you in case you run into them and you spray it at their feet if they're charging at you to deter them from coming further. Right. And it's hard to find those uh, that on the East Coast, which, because... <laughs> Well, and if you buy it on the West Coast, you cannot fly back with it either. Right. It's like supercharged pepper spray. In fact, I tried to order that on Amazon, and it said it is not deliverable to your location. Oh. So I actually I had to go to Bass Pro. Now, I am going to keep this because I feel like there's a liability involved. And I can see the news now. It's, you know, like freak mace goes off in church worship service, pastor in custody. I just could picture that. So I'm sorry that I'm, you can't have the bear spray. I will give no you a worries. couple of Place for Purpose stickers in, oh, in response. So, instead, so. <laughs> good, good. All right, good. Thanks. Okay. Um, Mike, why won't we need bear spray in heaven? Any thoughts? I got to put that there. Do not touch the bear spray, people. Okay. Um, guys, uh, look at the realities in verse 20, 25 here. And by the way, this is an abbreviated, uh, this is abbreviated from chapter 11 of Isaiah. It says, The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The dust will be the serpent's food. And they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. If you get to chapter 11, it's longer, and it describes that um, the leopards will be hanging out with the goats, and the cows will be hanging out with the bears. Bears are mentioned there. So, by the way, East Coast bears, friendly bears. You don't have to worry about them. It's West Coast bears you have to worry about. I just want to make sure that you know that all you're going to do with that on the East Coast is just turn an an ally into an enemy, right? So, because... Bears over here, they love you. So, um, so it talks in that uh, chapter 11 of kids playing with cobras, and, and it ends with a little child shall lead them, which we like to put on Christmas cards and think about Jesus there, right? And here's the point. In the new heavens and the new earth, we won't have to fear the things that harm and destroy us. There are things out there that want to harm and destroy. There are, you know, you don't have to go for a walk in the woods and worry that something wants to eat you. The nature is, is dangerous, right? Just watch, you can just watch... Uh, uh, many nature documentaries, and it may, might make you never want to go in the woods again. But, but here, you don't have to worry about self-defense anymore. Instead, you see this, this restoration of Eden when, when mankind is, is, is in community with, uh, with the creation. Don't just think about wildlife there. Um, all the hostilities of the world will be neutralized. Not just bears. Dr. Lewis Smeeds was a professor at Calvin College. I've shared this with you guys before a few years ago. Um, he, would ask this cl- he would ask his class every year, uh, how many of you want to go to heaven? And they would all raise their hands. And then he would say, how many of you want to go there tomorrow morning? And all the hands would go down, right? But then he would ask this. Let me ask you another question. How many of you would like to wake up tomorrow morning and discover a world in which all the poor had plenty, all the hungry had more than enough to eat, 
There was no war. No one suffered injustice. Israelis and Palestinians happily shared the land together. Iranians and Saudis were living peacefully within their own borders. ISIS fighters had laid down their guns. Prejudice and bigotry in America were a thing of the past. How many of you would like to wake up tomorrow morning to that kind of world? How many of you would, right? That's Isaiah's vision. Neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. A world free of danger and tension and destruction and a world without bear spray, right? I got one more, one more gift. Um, James Mitchell, can you come up here? I, I, you know, you think about, what do you get a guy who's got everything? And um, I, I think I got it. I think I got you figured out. So come on over here. Um, James just got in from Zermatt yesterday, so my, a little jet lagged maybe, but uh, can still manage a present, I'm sure, right? Any presents yet? So this is the first one. I'm, I'm glad. Glad that, that's good. So, and this just felt like you. Do we, uh, yep. It's missing the car. Yes. <laughs> car, car sold separately. <laughs> All right. So it's a rearview mirror, and um, I thought uh, James, over the last year and a half or so, has actually been working our staff and our leadership through um, a lot of the changes that have been happening here, and this has been an image that he's actually used for us. That's why I wanted you to, to open it. Will you, would you be willing to briefly describe how you use, how the rearview mirror uh, functions as a good symbol of how we should be yeah, thinking? Sure. So, so um, it's the, the symbol is when you're driving. What is the rearview mirror for? It's for quickly glancing and kind of looking to back check. But you don't want to spend time staring in the rearview mirror because you're going to miss where you're going. You want to keep most of your focus on the windshield, where you're traveling to and where you're going. In the same way in our personal lives, we want to learn from the past, but we don't want to stare at the past. Mm -hmm. We want to keep focused on where the Lord is leading us and going forward. So that's the, the windshield mainly. Little glimpses in this, but mainly at the windshield. That's it. And I, amazingly, some of your consulting you know, uh, techniques and strategies are in the Bible. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Yeah, you can. <laughs> See if James can find a car to go with that sometime. Um, here, here it is, James, in, in, in Isaiah 65. It says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. There are things about our past that we would like to forget. Amen? Middle school yearbooks. Right? So, like the, the Macarena. I think that, the Mil, Millie Vanilli. Swatch watches, I'm confident. I've been reading um, Bono's autobiography, and uh, he says that, you know, one of the high moments in U2's career was playing Wembley Stadium for Live Aid. He says, I can't watch it, though, because I have such a bad mullet. So 80s haircuts, put those on the list as well. Closer to the heart, not just those trends and fads, but closer. Uh, there's things that we wish that we uh, hadn't said. There are things that we wish that we had. Uh, there's moments in our lives that the mere memory of those moments causes your face to involuntarily cringe. Have you ever experienced that? It just comes to mind and you find yourself going, like, it's just, it's so ingrained in us as a place of embarrassment or hurt or shame. There are sins in our life that if, if this morning we said, hey guys, we're all going to line up on the stage, we're going to come up here, we're going to stand at the podium, and we're going to tell, uh, tell the church our most shameful moment, uh, you would do it and then you would never come back here. 
because you would never want to face these people again. There's moments in our lives like that, right? Verse 17 says, the former things will not be remembered. Not just, I'm going to glance at it every now and then, but there's going to be a time when that's all gone. The only thing that you'll need to look back on is Christ's completed work. They will not come to mind. Does that sound good to you? I mean, there are, there, it's possible that if, if science tomorrow created a means of surgically removing a, a painful memory from your head, some of you would take that elective surgery, right? Imagine when that's never going to come to mind again. That sounds phenomenal. But this verse is far better than that. It's talking about something Here's, it's not talking about your capacity for forgetfulness. It's talking about God's capacity for forgetfulness. It's talking about God's forgetfulness. Look at the verse. We didn't read verse 16. I didn't read that. But here's the verse that comes directly before the beginning of that passage. For the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. This is God talking. And the next thing he says is, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Right? He's the one that's choosing to forget. He's removing the former things. The past troubles, they are hidden from his eyes. He's choosing to set them aside and to unremember them. To remove them as far as the east is from the west. Guys, that doesn't mean that the Lord can't remember the event. He is omniscient. He kind of knows things. But he is choosing not to treat you based on that event, based on that moment. Jesus absorbs the punishment for those sins and God chooses to let that act of Jesus on the cross be the end of the matter, not bringing it up again. It's over, it's done, it's buried. God says, I choose to put that in the rearview mirror and I will never look at it again. And that forgiveness, folks, if you were to walk out of here feeling the freedom of that forgiveness, it would change you in a hundred ways, but one of the ways it would change you is it would make it a lot easier for you to forgive. Um, Tim Keller says it this way. He says, what you're saying when you forgive is... I am now going to treat you the way God treated me. I remember your sins no more. That doesn't mean I can't actually recall them. It means I'm not going to act on the basis of them. They're not the controlling reality of my life. We let it go. We put it in the rear view. We live forward. We determine never to look back again. That's what God does for us. We're going to end by uh, singing Joy to the World, and I know that this is a, a popular, and that we, we sang it last night. It's very common uh, at Advent, but I hope you've noticed, uh, if you look at the lyrics, that it's actually not an Advent hymn. It's not a Christmas carol, even though we've turned it into one. It's not a first Advent carol. It's a second Advent one, right? It, it speaks to the day when Jesus comes in his fullness, uh, when the Savior reigns, when he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, all that, Right? This Advent, we've titled uh, the series Prepare Him Room. This is the song that we took that from, right? Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Uh, This describes the day when every heart of all of God's people will be so enlarged and filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit that that he will have prepared room in in us so that we can receive him as our king. That's a one-day reality. Uh, In the meantime, we get to celebrate today, guys. Christmas is the down payment on all of that. It's the down payment on greater gifts, right? When God's kingdom comes in its fullness, no tissue, no first aid, no bear spray, no need to look in the rearview mirror. It's done, it's finished. Let's us sing that truth together as we close, but first let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, 
we can't imagine. And so like Isaiah, we just use the best that we can picture this earth looking like. And that we would in, in, enjoy fulfillment. And that we would enjoy peace. And that we would see the end of destruction. But Lord, we also know that what you have in store for us when we trust you by faith is so much more than that. We could never put it to words. Uh, But one day, Lord, it will be our reality when we see you face to face and we will know fully as we're fully known. And so, Lord, today we celebrate the down payment of all of that and stepped into this world to fix it. We look forward to the day when you'll step back in to reign. And we praise you in expectancy in Jesus' name. Amen.